Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today's Wednesday, May 3rd. I'm Bruce Hardy. It's your birthday, Bruce, and I'm Chase Williams. And it's his birthday tomorrow. And this is the news you need to know. Well, the nation's economy slowed during the first three months of the year, growing at a sluggish rate of just 1.1% at a time when the nation continued to endure a period of high interest rates. Now, it marked the second quarter in which real GDP growth slowed, according to data released Thursday by the U.S. Bureau of Economic Analysis. The economy grew by 2.6% in the final three months of 2022, which was down from 3.2% in the third quarter. And the numbers were dragged down in part by a slowdown in spending on real estate. So Chase, what are your thoughts about that? Well, in part, Bruce, it's that we have a persistent growing in the economy. (laughs) And even though the percentages seem small, they're actually higher than what was expected. You know, we've had this conversation at length this past year because of the inflation concerns. And as we've watched the Fed continue to make adjustments to the rate of borrowing money, et cetera. But a lot of what's currently happening is still exceeding expectations. What I do read in this story, Bruce, though, is kind of a growing concern for looking farther into the future, even though it hasn't really happened yet. For example, Lydia Basur, I believe is how you pronounce it, who's a senior economist at EY Parthino, told the Washington Post, we're seeing growing cracks in the economic foundation. So here we have like continued growth, but we're concerned more about the future. I think we want to begin paying a lot of attention to what that might look like for us as we look out further on the horizon. What's interesting is the numbers don't fully capture the turmoil caused by the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank in mid-March. And of course, now First Republic, which just got bought by J.P. Morgan Chase this week. What's been interesting is lenders reacted to those failures and the wavering banking sector by tightening lending. You and I know, right, there are three key metrics that we're always looking at to try and help us understand where the direction of the industry is going. Number one is unemployment. And the goal there is to be under 6%. And of course, right now we're at 3.5%, which is awesome. Number two is inflation. The goal there is to be at 2%. And that's the one that's been persistent. Now it's at 5% was the last reading on that. And of course, the Fed is doing everything to get that rate down to 2%. The third one is actually GDP. And the goal there is to be around 2%. We saw last quarter, it dropped down to 1.1%. So it's going to be interesting to see how these numbers drive and then ultimately what that impact is on the real estate market as we go forward. Yeah, I think the thing that is continuing to amaze me is that consumer spending has been moving up and is still moving up. And so you've got to wonder, just like Ben Herzon, an economist at S&P Global Market Intelligence, wondered, will that soon translate into a pullback in spending, consumer spending? It hasn't happened yet. Certainly, things have slowed down in the real estate industry for all the obvious reasons around rates, et cetera. It's an ongoing conversation, no doubt about it. And I do worry about the spending because we've seen numbers where credit card debt is increasing, the savings rate is decreasing. I think a lot of people who aren't as informed about the market are not paying attention to that and don't realize that the market doesn't always go up like it has over the last 10 years. 
So on May 1st, Fannie and Freddie made changes to loan-level pricing adjustments, or what they call LLPAs, and that's what the mortgage giants have applied to conventional loans since the Great Recession. In fact, most conventional mortgages that lenders want to sell to Fannie and Freddie from that day will be subject to new fees. The fees don't apply to first-time home buyers with qualifying income that's less than or equal to 100% of the area median income in their markets or 120% of the area median income in high-cost markets. In fact, the fees also don't apply to Fannie and Freddie's affordable mortgage programs, which are home-ready and home-possible, which let home buyers put as little as 3% down or non-conventional government-backed loans, including FHA, VA, USDA, and HUD Section 184 loans. So, Chase, fascinating. Rates go up every year on these, and yet this year has caught the attention of a lot of pundits and observers. Well, I think that's a great point, Bruce, that these fees actually do go up periodically. They just went up last April, for example. Although that's not abnormal, the way that it's being reported and talked about this year feels a little abnormal, which I would say is kind of par for the course as soon as anything is politicized, right? Now, if we're being honest, nobody likes fees going up. Nobody. (laughs) So there's always going to be this underlying frustration around an increase in fees, regardless of the reason. You know, some of the reporting has created confusion around this fee, right? In essence, it was been reported somewhere, and I don't know where, that folks with better credit were going to get a higher fee to somehow compensate or make up for those with lower credit. And that's actually not the case when you look into it a little closer. Now, a lot of fees are going up for those involved, typical to a fee increase, but that's actually not the intent behind it. Matter of fact, consumers may not be excited to know that there's another fee increase scheduled for August 1st. And actually, that was pushed back, originally going to be May, now it's in August, just to give lenders more time to prepare. The hardest part about this increase from a timing perspective, that it's on the heels of mortgage rates going up tremendously. It's important for realtors to understand what's actually happening here with the fee change. I would encourage you to read up on exactly what's happening versus what you may have heard in the media, social media, or even from your Uncle Sal. The reason is, is we want to provide clarity to any of our consumers or clients who are asking us what's happening with this change in fee, right? So let me give you an example. Let's say that there's an 80% loan to value ratio. If you have a 640 credit score, the fee is going to be 2.25% of the loan value. If you have a credit score of 740, 100 points higher, you're actually only paying a 0.875% of the loan value. So you're still paying less. It's just the spread that's changed. So again, I would encourage any real estate professional or mortgage lender to understand exactly what is causing the changes and help the consumer understand that this fee increase is not dissimilar from periodic fee increases that happen in the marketplace. Clarity is always kind and the more of that we can provide to our clients, the better. Well, Chase, this is good news for realtors. Over the past three years, the average commission rate has been creeping up from an all-time low of 4.94% in 2020 
to now in 2022, it was 5.32%, which is the highest it's been since 2013. Now, of course, we know that all commission rates are negotiable. This is simply the average, and it shows the trending data for our market. So what are your thoughts about this? couple of things, Bruce. You know, we tend to see the average commission rate fluctuate in part due to what's happening in the marketplace. And what I mean by that simply is when everything's selling and up and to the right and prices are increasing and the consumer sometimes thinks that selling a home is going to be easy, I would argue that it's never really easy for lots of different reasons, but that's neither here nor there. When the consumer has that perception Oh, and by the way, you have a whole bunch of realtors flooding into the industry because they also perceive that it's easy. Oftentimes, the competition for commission gets a little tougher and average commissions can go down. And again, we saw that happen with the all-time low in 2020. When the market turns the other way and you realize that you need a professional, it's not easy. It might not actually sell at all. And agents that haven't been successful in the business are leaving the industry then oftentimes we'll see average commission rates climb. And that's what we saw here in 2022. Interesting that it's been about 10 years since 2013 that we saw a commission rate that high. I wonder if maybe that coincides with the 10-ish year run-up that we've seen. What do you think? I think you might be right. A senior advisor for HW Media, our good friend Steve Murray, quoted, I think one of the underreported factors that we first noticed back in 2020 was that the top performing individual agents and teams were grabbing a rapidly increasing share of the market, a trend that it continued in 2022. And I think that that actually has a big piece of what's happening here. You've got top realtors who do an incredible job, provide incredible service that is actually worth the fee. And oh, by the way, they're getting higher commissions because of the value they bring to the table. And I think that's a big part of it as well. And an average commission rate changing would indicate the value that the consumer also places on getting great representation. And that's why it can sometimes fluctuate based on the perceived market conditions. And yet here you have consumers that are gladly and willingly paying more in an average commission than they have in the last 10 years, for example. All the while, you have these lawsuits out there that are claiming that somehow there's collusion around asking the seller who pays commissions to overpay. It's in stark contrast to what's actually happening with what consumers are offering to pay realtors. So I think that's interesting. That's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Rob Sower with Keller Williams Realty Boise in Boise, Idaho. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.